listener. KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulikit Wulan clan of the Boomerang, who are a part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to our elders, past and present, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hi guys, before we get into the episode, we just wanted to put a trigger warning in the beginning. There are some pretty full-on topics that we're going to discuss, including mentions of domestic violence, sexual assault and murder, and we'll also be discussing non-physical abuse and being controlled in a relationship. So if any of these topics are triggering for you, we advise skipping this episode. And if you do need support, you can call the National Counselling Service, one 800 Respect or Lifeline on 13 11 14. We'll also pop these details in the show notes. Welcome to the Kickpot, your DM on the stuff that matters, but also the stuff that doesn't. One, two, three, four. Hi, Steffi. Hi, Lucy. Hi. Now, today's episode is a really, really important one. Obviously, with the KickPod, it is so important to us that we have the, I mean, back to our slogan, the things that matter matter, and the things that don't. Yeah. This one is definitely the things that matter and we feel a deep responsibility to use and it's incredible that we have this platform yeah. and, and all of you that listen to it and we just feel that it is so important that we speak about topics like the one we are speaking about today to increase awareness on mm. and for this one what we're talking about today is domestic violence and there is this kind of stereotype that with domestic violence it's when you think about it there's viol- like physical violence mm. so you think of like in, in a heterosexual relationship um, a woman being hit by a man or the other way around and that's what is equals a violent relationship. Mm. However, there is so much more to domestic violence than that. And what we're going to speak about today is coercive control. Mm. Um, If you want to hear more about this topic, Tarang Chawla, who we have had on the podcast a few times now, we did an episode on this. He is the host of the podcast, There Is No Place Like Home. The latest season is out now. And today, who we're speaking to Uh, a Queensland couple who feature on the podcast. Their names are Sue and Lloyd Clark, and they are the parents of Hannah Clark and grandparents of Aliyah, Leanna and Trey, who were tragically murdered in a horrific case of domestic violence by Hannah's estranged husband in 2020. And despite the unimaginable grief that Sue and Lloyd Mm. are experiencing, they are committed to ensuring that this tragedy doesn't happen to another family. They have a foundation called Small Steps for Hannah, And this, I mean, everything they do is incredible, Mm. but they've also worked with the Queensland government to establish the Women's Safety and Justice Task Force. This work is huge. Mm. It is so important. And in today's episode, we are going to chat about what non-physical abuse looks like and how to differentiate between establishing boundaries with non-physical abuse. We hope this episode can help educate you more on these topics. And we are so grateful for Sue and Lloyd for coming in. Here's our conversation with them. Sue and Lloyd, welcome to the Kick Pod. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Before we start, we just wanted to say that we are so deeply sorry for your loss and the tragedy that your family has been through. It is just completely unimaginable and so, so heartbreaking. The work you're doing to make sure this never happens to anyone again is seriously incredible. And we would love to start 
by chatting about mm-hmm. your foundation, Small Steps for Hannah. Thank you. Yeah, um, I think you know, we, we've sort of decided in an early stage if we can um, save a family from going through what we've been through, um, it's all worthwhile. And you know, if we can save a, a woman and children. And um, we're getting some good feedback over the last few years. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very humbling. Mm. Yeah, it's nice to hear good stories. Yes. And we know part of that work that you have been doing, you have worked with the Queensland government to introduce a legislation that criminalises coercive control. First of all, for those who might not know what coercive control is, do you mind explaining uh, what, what it is and then also what it means now that it's legalised? Well, coercive control is a, a pattern of behaviours which often starts off just one thing at a time but gradually builds. And if you add one, look at one incidence, say, uh, controlling what someone can wear, can wear or can't wear, you might just think they're a little bit controlling. But if you add that to the person calling you constantly, Once you start adding things together, you can see there's this pattern of control. And coercive control can be people going through your handbag, going through your phone, uh, turning up at work constantly just to drop in lunch because they love you. But it's actually just to check up on where you are or ringing you constantly through the day because they love you. Um, Controlling what you can and can't wear, controlling finances, Uh, belittling you, putting you down, never happy for any achievements you have, controlling who you can and cannot see. Uh, Lloyd, can you think of some others? Yeah, using male privileges. Mm -hmm. Um, One in particular with Hannah, he demanded sex every night. Mm. And if she didn't um, perform how he thought, he would then sulk. Um, They take it out on the children, uh, use animals as uh, control measures too. I'll hurt the dog, I'll kill the cat, Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, with these laws coming in, so getting to the second question there is uh, with the laws coming in, hopefully anyone who is um, doing this sort of coercive control, uh, there'll, there'll be something you know, like a, a, a jail sentence between seven to 14 years. Mm. So it's something we as a society now need to get in and learn what coercive control is. We, it's been around for years. It's been there, but no one knew it had a name and no one knew how bad it was. Um, a person who performs coercive control when they finally lose that control, they are 90% chance of committing murder within the six, first six months of the breakup. So this is where it's very dangerous because they had this power for so long, then all of a sudden they've lost it. They start spiralling out of control and it's um, usually their way or the highway. Oh, it's it is so it's so scary and and with so j- just to be for anyone listening that you know, maybe hasn't heard about coercive control before because again it's this this topic is just so important that we speak about it because if you don't know we only know what we know right and if if you don't know mm-hmm. that this behaviour that as Sue as you were saying it's like because they love you mm-hmm. if yes. that's what you're told then that's what what you believe and so. With that stat, Lloyd, that you just spoke to, the 90% chance that something will happen in six months, is that so that would be after coercive control, being controlled where there was no physical violence. 
But then That's there is right. a chance, an extremely high chance of murder after that. Is that correct? That's right. Um, Hannah didn't think she was in an abusive relationship because she used to say, he's never hit me. Mm. He hasn't hurt me. Mm. But it was all this mind game, uh, you know, this controlling measures that crept in over 11 years that all of a sudden, you know, um, she'd had enough. She wanted out. And of course, he would not let her go, Mm. always trying to hang on because he had that control. Um, And then once Hannah finally did leave, he then tried to manipulate by taking the children. Uh, he took one of the, the kids um, at Boxing Day. Liana kidnapped her, took her to New South Wales. Um, we had no idea where she was and um, whether she was you know, being looked after. Um, and then, it, what, it was 11 weeks mm. from when she left that he committed that heinous crime. So it wasn't long at all. We didn't have her at home, and her and the children, for very long at all. And this is why quite often when they're murdered by their partner, you'll hear on the news, but there's no history of DV, Hmm. no history of domestic violence, because there was, there was coercive control. But nine times out of 10, uh, the women didn't realise that they were a victim of domestic violence because it was non-physical. So how do, and obviously this is such a complex issue, how do you know the difference? Because I think for anyone listening right now that might think that, And I know a big part of coercive control is isolation from family and friends. Mm -hmm. So then you're kind of hearing this story of, no, it's because I love you and there's no one to tell you that, no, it's not. Like Mm -hmm. this this is control. This is coercive control. What is the difference between someone, you know, checking in because they care? At what point does it become coercive control? And what are the signs? Well, because it's a pattern of behaviours, as I say, one thing on its own, uh, Hannah wasn't allowed to walk off the beach in bikinis and we put it away as him being a prude. And um, things like this, if you put them together, if you put together that Hannah wasn't allowed to wear pink, Hannah couldn't walk off the beach in bikinis, he would ring her all the time to see where she was because he loved her. He would pop into her work and bring her food again to check if she was at work. Once you start putting them all together, you can see that it's um, behavioural is coming through and that is your coercive control. When you put them all together, you can start to see this pattern. Mm. That one person has that Mm. uh, dynamic power and controls that person that um, they have no choices at all. They've got to do, like I said, it's either their way or the highway. And it's also about segregation, Mm. taking that person away from their support, you know, their family and their very close friends. He drove a wedge between Hannah and her brother. Mm. You know, um, they were very close. They did everything together growing up. Uh, And then he also got rid of all of Hannah's close friends that he knew that would support her. Um, That's why he wanted to have a one Facebook that they shared so he could control that Mm. and put on their big happy families. But it wasn't towards the end. So it shows that social media um, has a lot to answer for too because they use that platform to show everyone that, oh, Mm. we're such a a great family, we get on well, blah, blah, blah. But behind closed doors, it's totally different. 
Does it start in, and, and I imagine it would, in really small ways and then it builds, it's not like all of a sudden they say, you know, you can't speak to anyone in your life anymore ever again. I imagine it would be a really slow build that's a part of the manipulation. It is a slow build, you're right. And quite often it's not uh, a banning or forbidding people to have contact with their friends and family. It's more um, they will make up stories Mm -hmm. about this person. I don't think they're very good for you. Mm -hmm. They're not really your friend. Have you noticed? I think they're talking about you or they're doing this. So they... Try to turn it so it's almost your decision mm. to not speak to that person where, in fact, this poor person's done nothing wrong, but they manipulate it so that it's not really coming from them. They have you at um, your best interest at heart. They want to look after you. They don't want this person to hurt you anymore. So it's like I'm, I'm telling you this because I care yeah. about you. That's they're, they're right. They're masters of manipulation. Yes, I love you and I don't think she's very good for you as a friend or, you know, uh, one that Hannah got a lot was your mother and father love your brother so much more than you. He's the spoilt one. He gets everything, blah, 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 which was absolute rubbish because we were helping them out financially because he had no money. Mm. Oh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm so sorry. When when it comes to financial, I suppose you kind of just touched it on then, touched on it then because you were supporting them financially. Mm. How common is financial abuse within uh, violent relationships? Um, very much so. Mm. There, and there's all different forms of financial abuse. There's where... Um, the perpetrator controls all the money. Uh, a quite affluent families, you might think uh, the lady has a wonderful life. She's got a fancy car and beautiful clothes. But you might find that they're all gifts to her and mm-hmm. she actually has no money and nothing. It looks like she has this wonderful life and a lot of things and doesn't. And then with Hannah, they didn't have much money. He didn't control the money. She controlled the money as best she could because if he got hold of the money, he would spend it all. He would be the big man and shout everyone beers or Mm. shout everyone in the coffee shop so that um, he seemed to be such a wonderful, generous fellow Mm. where then they couldn't pay their rent or pay bills or get food for the children. So Hannah had to actually keep two bank accounts so that she could look after the family as best she could. So there's very varying forms of financial abuse. And are you able to go into – I really would love to talk a little bit more about love bombing because I think yeah. love obviously being something that when we feel it, we feel so special and it is it, it is such a – in most cases such a wonderful feeling but when it is used in as a part of a manipulation yeah. tactic, it's obviously completely cha- changes it. In terms of a definition for love bombing, are you able to speak to, to what it exactly is and then if there are any other kind of forms of it that we see? Because I just I think that, that would be just that the hardest thing to be in because when we feel loved, we feel special. Mm. Well, we certainly do. And early in the relationship is when the love bombing usually starts and it's um, wanting to see you all the time because they love you know, love you or like you at the time so much. They need to see you all the time. They ring you a lot. They're arriving with flowers. They're popping into your work. 
And you do just feel so loved that you are the most important person in their lives and that's how they want you to feel. And, of course, all of us want to feel like that, so it's very easy to do this and manipulate. Um, Also, quite often they want to move in quickly together or get married, things like that. Quite often the relationship tends to move very, very quickly. People just say, like, well, why don't you just leave? Mm. Like, why can't they just leave? Like, why are you staying with them? But it it is so much more complicated than that, right? It is very complicated. Nothing gets me upset more than people saying that. Mm. Why don't they just leave? Can't be that bad or they wouldn't still be there. Mm. People don't understand uh, quite often the woman's lost all her self-esteem. She's been told for years that she's not worth anything. Nobody would ever love her. She's lucky she has him because no one else would have her. Uh, Quite often she has no money, nowhere to go. It's quite frightening. The kids need the father. Oh, yes. They always believe the children need their dad and you're damaging the children if you leave. And I'll never, and quite often Hannah was threatened with, I will never let you take the children. So it's frightening for a woman to leave. And my advice is if you're in this situation, reach out to friends and family, even if you've been alienated from them. I would still reach out as long as it's safe to Mm. reach out and let them know what's happening so that you do have support out there. And people with loved ones in this situation, my advice is be there for them, listen to them, Mm. let them feel validated, help plan a safe escape and just be patient because it's not easy. And statistically, uh, a woman can go back seven times before they leave permanently and don't get frustrated if this happens. Just be there and patiently waiting mm. and let them know you love them. Yeah. You've got to, um, have, like Sue said, that understanding because he had up to six different listening devices or phones planted around the household because we couldn't understand why every time Hannah had planned to leave, he would bring up something, you know, a birthday or they're going mm. away for the weekend, uh, just to foil the plan. Uh, in the end, Hannah would have to go outside and talk to Sue. They spoke um, nearly every, well, they did speak every day. Or when he wanted his coffee and she had to do the coffee run, it was a good chance she would then talk to Sue then. So it, it takes a while and you've got to make sure everyone is safe, mm. especially the person leaving. Um, it was a spur of the moment with Hannah because um, she was taking the um, Bubs Club uh, the at the gym, the mums and bubs, and she was just having an event. And then uh, the girl sort of said, well, where is he now? Oh, he's at work. Well, let's go. So off they went. They didn't worry about doing the class. They went straight around, um, grabbed whatever they could. The-, the children were allowed to take two toys each. And Hannah grabbed what she could. They left, there was the four of them, and they had two garbage bags of their belongings. And she went down to the school and pulled Aaliyah out of the school. And then they drove and left her car at um, a local McDonald's and went to her best friend's house and stayed the night there where he didn't know where she lived. Mm. And they left the car at the McDonald's in case he had a tracker in the car. Mm. So, you know, it, it's not easy. That's what we're no. saying. You know, it, and you've got to plan it. Um, 
and make sure everyone is safe, that they can get away and do it without confrontation uh, and then let them settle down and hopefully they will then have, well, their friends should be talking to them and saying, well, hey, look, what you're doing is not cool. Uh, yeah, their family and that should be saying to them, you need help. Let's get you to the doctor. Let's get you some psychology. Let's try and work out what the problem is. Nine times out of 10, well, we hope maybe 80%, um, people can change. Mm. Once they realize they might have just grown up in that situation where there was abuse in the family, abuse in the, uh, but they've, that's all they know is abuse. So they're just following what they've seen. So there is a chance that people can change and they need to be able to um, do that. What about the police? Is is that something that you, so in the steps to obviously reach out to your loved ones, at what point is it safe to reach out to the police? Because I, I know, I mean, I, it's obviously this is why you're, the work you have done in creating the legislation around coercive control is so incredible mm. because before that I would assume they couldn't have done anything if there was no physical violence. Mm. That's true. Yep. Oh. They couldn't. So hopefully coercive control laws will make a difference and the police will be able to do more. Mm. We were lucky in our case. Um, when Hannah left him, I wanted her to go to the police and take out a domestic violence order, but she was scared that that would antagonise him. But I did convince her to at least go to the police station and have a chat to the police. And uh, luckily she got a beautiful policewoman at the front desk who listened to her and listened to her being forced to have sex every night and actually said, oh, honey, that's rape. Mm-hmm. And it told her that it was a um, domestic violence relationship she was in. And the change in Hannah when she came home, she said to me, mum, it was domestic violence. Like, you know, it's right that I can take out a DVO, like just to feel that she wasn't making all this up, that she wasn't going insane. It made a huge difference. So... Uh, we found it great just to talk to the police, so I would advise to do that. And once it becomes a law, they can do a lot. Mm. I think they need to anyway, just so the police know, so mm. they can put a little red flag mm. up so that they know that if the person, the perpetrator does start coming around and they get a call, they are aware of it. They know that there's mm. been a complaint made. Uh, not much can be done at first, mm. but I mean, at least if they know, then they're right. Mm. And our police are getting a lot better up here. They're doing a lot more training and we're finding a lot of things are working. The police are open. They're listening to the women and things are, are starting to turn around. It's still a long way to go, but it's starting. Yeah. I think, like Sue said earlier, that the police are getting better here in Queensland and I think they are nationally. Um, this is why we need coercive control, standalone laws to go nationally. Mm. Um, we've, we've got New South Wales on board, South Australia, Queensland. Um, so everyone needs to actually have a good look at it, I think. Uh, I know the Attorney General's are meeting very soon. It is on the agenda for them to talk about domestic violence. And um, you know, the federal government has actually said that they need to look at um, domestic violent laws and where they're at each state. Um, so hopefully we can get some more funding and other states will start to follow because it's um, – uh, and the big thing, I suppose, is education. Mm. 
we need to educate society. We need to educate mm. the um, the councillors out there doing the, <clears throat> the work. We need to educate the police. We need judges. The judicial system needs to be upgraded. Um, that's the biggest thing too at the moment is them getting on board as well. Uh, we can get perpetrators to the courts and let's just hope that um, yeah, they get what they deserve. Absolutely. It's, it's so important. And before we go, I would love to hear about your wonderful foundation that you have set up, Small Steps for Hannah. Um, we, we started off, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. We just wanted to help. Uh, we didn't understand coercive control. So we just wanted people to know about how dangerous it was. So out of that, um, with our foundation, well, what are we going to do? Um, so to start with, we actually, people started giving us money. So we started putting that in the bank and um, we looked out there in Queensland and saw there was a lot of grassroots foundations that uh, were doing great work. And uh, we started talking to them. They were missing out on government grants because there wasn't enough money to go around. Um, so to date, probably over a quarter of a million dollars we've given to different foundations to help them. Um, so we've collaborated with them to help them continue and do what they need to do to help women and children out there. Uh, we've gone in collaboration with Beyond DV and a private philanthropist here in Brisbane. And we've started um, what we call Hannah's Century, which is nine townhouse units uh, for recovering women uh. who have um, broken away. Uh, and We've also now just taken on um, with a good friend, Michael Jay, to do a, a corporate um, educational program called Hannah's Story. And David Kramer, who used to train with Hannah, he is doing um, a piece called Halt, which will go out into the schools. Mm -hmm. David is a wonderful young fellow who's um, done his um, psychological degree. And, Psychology. And um, he understands children. So it's not going out there to say all oh, male children are going to become perpetrators. It's understanding children uh, and getting them across about what a respectful relationship should be. These are our future mm. people coming through. So, um, yeah, that's about it, I think. Mm. And that's so important because, as you touched on earlier, it's often these people, it might have been something that they've grown up with um, is, is why they are the way they are. And so to, to try and capture that earlier or to, to make sure that people understand what a respectful relationship looks like from That's the earlier right. stages, the better. Yeah, they That's have choices. Right. Mm. That's right. They do have choices. People can change. Like Lloyd grew up in a domestic violence relationship. His, his father was an abuser, but he made the choice not to be like his father. Mm. So it can be done. Mm. It's not easy and don't make out that I'm a hero, I think, but um, we, we, we need to let them know that they can change and uh, I'm sure they will. Well, thank you for all of, of the wonderful work that, that you're doing, for taking the time to come and share your story. I, I can just imagine how hard it would be every single time to, yeah. to revisit this and to be putting yourself through these feelings now in order to help people and, and help, you know, I'm sure there would be way more than one. I know at the start you said that if you could just help one woman and her family, I, your work has saved so many more than that. So thank you for all all that you do. We're so grateful that, that you're able to share this with, with our community. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. 
Thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you ever want to get involved with our podcast, maybe we're talking about a segment, you have something relatable you want to chat about, a DNM, questions, um, please send your voice notes or your stories to us at KickPod, where you can DM us directly. Um, and you can also keep up with everything that we're doing on the podcast there as well. You can see the video content that we share and any other questions or updates when we want to get you guys involved. You sure can. And if you want to find out more about Kick, you can learn more at kickapp.com. You can download the app on the Google Play or the Apple Store. We have got a free seven-day trial. And you can find us on Instagram at Smith at laurie.henshaw and on TikTok at Kick. We will chat to you soon. Bye.